0: There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at dubaii1038.com.
1: We're going to get around the grounds for you in just a few moments' time. Uh, not though before we've brought you some more team news. Uh, I want to start at Tottenham because that's the game we've got on the big screen down here. It's Tottenham against Sheffield United. No goals in this one at half time. Uh, let's hear from both the managers, though, uh, before the game. Uh, let's start with Pochettino, who believes... And this was a weird one as well. I listened to this earlier. I said he reckons that the Blades are going to play like a rugby team today. Have a listen.
2: What impressed me the most is the belief uh, and the togetherness. Uh, they have uh, the spirit like rugby team that fight for each other. Uh, that is fantastic to, to see in a team, a uh, football team, in a football team. Um, That is why, because of course they have good squad, good organisation. I think great manager and great coaching staff. And then what they translate on the pitch is the togetherness and the fight each other. They are humbled enough, um, I think, to to fight uh, for each other. And of course they have good players. But um, I think that is the key of Sheffield United. Uh, That is why they are doing so well. They have a lot of points. They're in a very good position on the table, and of course, uh, they have a very good record.
3: I think he's got a bit carried away with the Rugby World Cup. A little, perhaps, Poch. Maybe he is a big fan of rugby. A lazy assertion, that. A a lazy (sighs) kind of comment, that from Poch, because that's not him watching Sheffield United. They're much more than that. They are, of course, they are dogged. That there's no doubt about that, but they play some good stuff and they've bossed this opening 45 minutes. I kid you not, they've been the better team against Spurs. I'll give you the team news for Spurs Matt's got Sheffield United. If you are just tuned in, Gazienga started in goals. Aurier, Sanchez, Dyer, and Davies. Dyer booked inside 60 seconds, incidentally. Suzoko, and Undumbeli. Undumbeli has since been replaced at half time by Harry Winks. So Poch just looking for a little bit more control in the centre of the park. Giovanni Lo Celso, the big summer recruit from Real Betis. Deli Ali, San Hyung Min. And then of course Harry Kane over his illness that ensured that he didn't play last weekend. He is in to skip of the side. Uh, still 0-0, however. It is indeed,
4: Chris. And just before I move on to the Sheffield United team, we mentioned earlier about how good Robert Lewandowski is and the comparison that you drew between he and Harry Kane. The pair of them are having very, very different seasons, are they
3: not? I don't think Kane's fit at all and it's starting to show. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I really don't disagree with that. we have got a goal, oh, 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 we've got a goal at St. Mary's. <laughs> least I hope we've got a go because we've just played the sting yes Southampton are level I know we've got a lot of Saints listeners out there and it's great work down well, the right hand side this evening. and there are a few yes you're right Barasti is of course home to the Southampton supporters club it's great work down the right hand side he's got no right I think it's maybe Nathan Redman to get to the byline he does just that however seeing a replay of this one again it's not it is Sofian Buffal. I think he's come on at the break he has come on at the break Sofian Buffal. it is he that's plays Cedric Suarez, the Portuguese right wing-back. He's done so well so at to get to the byline. He's that cut nice. it across. And who is it? It's Danny Ings. Danny Ings, formerly of Liverpool. We're seeing it now on the big screen down here at Baraste. Bouffard does so well. Just does so well. Yeah. Does no right to do it. He gets there. He zings it across. And there is Danny Ings, the former Reds. Uh, to level things up it's one apiece, three or four bodies he's got it through there
4: Chris and that's a prime example of a defence that just aren't singing off the same hemsh- sheet for Everton at all they're totally disorganised back there it's one of those goals that I always used to score and annoy my mates on FIFA <laughs> where you just get to yeah. the byline yeah. and roll it into your yeah. man who's standing completely unmarked the goalkeeper's covering his near post it just gets through real poor from Everton to concede so quick after the break get
1: back to Sheffield United if we can yes
4: we can Tom and they uh, line up as usual we were saying earlier I think a lot of my uh, friends at Spurs Spur supporting fans were thinking this could be the game they used to kick on, <laughs> rub it in the face of Arsenal who of course lost at Bramall Lane just a couple of weeks ago but this is a brilliantly organised side, they've conceded the fewest goals in the Premier League, haven't looked like conceding at all today, they line up as we expect them to do that's Dean Henderson in goal, they've got a back three, Jack O'Connell, John Egan and Chris Basham, then that five flung out across the middle with width provided by Bulldog and Stevens, and then a three, a crafty, hard working three yeah. of Fleck, North Forward and Lundström and then up top David McGoldrick and then Lee Smooset this is where you saw these are the sort of players that Championship sides coming up if you take a punt on a player who you think you can get the best out of at a time when no one's looking at him because he absolutely because perhaps he hasn't shown what he's capable of as Mousset did last season with Bournemouth that is a smart piece of business and he's started to pay dividends he leads the line
1: um, I want to hear from Chris Wilder now I always like to hear from Chris Wilder is yeah. a voice of reason I think uh, a voice of championship reason coming up into the mad bad Premier League uh, he's done really well as well in the Premier League in the last couple of weeks um, and I, int- I I like this little clip uh, you know there's a lot of detractors uh, who want the head of VAR he says stick with it
5: it was always going to be subjective wasn't it from somebody uh, in, in in stockley Park and I think that was always going to be the fear from everybody and uh, and and it has been talking about far too much in my opinion you know when you when you when you want to talk about the game you want to talk about you know, and, and of course, you know referees' decisions will always have always been and will always be part of it. But it just seems to have overtaken everything in in, in the game, and I should imagine. Most certainly, uh, Premier League bosses, um, you know, referee refereeing uh, organisations, managers, and most importantly, supporters would have not wanted it to have gone down this road. But it has, uh, and maybe we should have. Looked at it and uh, and thought this was always going to be the case in its in its first year in its infancy. I realise this is going to sound like I'm trying to put words into your mouth. So disagree if you want, but is it time to have a stop and a rethink? No, I think they've got to, they've got to back through with it now. I think they have to they have to back through with it because I think if you have a stop and a rethink, that you know does it punish teams that things have gone against? You, you hopefully hope hope that it all evens itself out come the uh, come the middle of May. So I think they've just got. To, got to crack on with it now. Crack on with it and just just hopefully make as many right decisions as, as, as possible and, uh, and, and uh, it doesn't become the main talking point of, uh, of, uh, of the game.
1: Ordinarily I'd turn to Chris McCarty for comment on VAR but we've only got 50 minutes left uh, on the show <laughs> so I'll go to you Matt that's
4: alright? Well I'll tell you what the world needs right now is another opinion on VAR but let me just say this replace VAR in that interview clip with referee And essentially, we're looking at last year, the season before, the season before, because all we were talking about was the mistakes that referees were making. Now we just have another thing to beat. I just don't don't really know where I stand particularly on whether or not I think it's good, bad, could it be better, any of that sort of stuff. But ultimately, someone's gonna find something to talk about that isn't the football because someone's been let down by VAR, the referee, a bad player. We very, very rarely talk about the actual football and how players play and how things work. I just think it's very easy to blame blame VAR because it's new. And if we didn't have it, we'd be blaming the referees for getting the mistakes. Let's have a look at the other game as well. We've just seen a goal
1: go in there uh, a few moments ago. I'm talking about the game uh, featuring Southampton. Uh, They're at home to Everton. Uh, Let's hear first from the Southampton boss, uh, Big Ralph, who believes... Well, he believes in Everton's strength, which is weird for an opposition manager. Oh,
6: yeah, I think we spoke about the last uh, two games against a very strong side and uh yeah. We tried in our way to get something there. 70 minutes we we were on the winning track, but uh, finally it wasn't enough against a very strong side, but uh yeah, it gives us a feeling that we that we when we work together when we were when we are defensively good organized and very disciplined and it's not so easy to score against us that's what we have shown but uh, tomorrow or on Saturday we need more more qualities for winning. And you said
7: you've never experienced anything like that 9 0 defeat in your Nigerian career and that you're a better manager because of it. What did you learn from that game?
6: But after one week still we are discussing about that. This is the first thing I've learned. Uh, I don't know if you win the nine zero that you're always talking that long about such a result i think uh' it's, uh um not surprising thing for me no it's it's um a very intensive week and uh, i think um it it puts us more together as a club and as a team. i think this is important for us in that moment and in that time of the season i think it can help us to to yeah, to focus now on the games we yeah we have to deliver results, and this is the, the, the most important goal we have in the next weeks.
3: I'm going home. Oh, dearie me. Oh, dearie me. We, we go to Turf Moor, where West Ham United are now 3-0 down. Now, we have spent a good 5-10 minutes, and I would say over the course of the last few weeks, about a half an hour talking about West Ham's goalkeeping woes. And there, right there, is an illustration as to why Lucas Fabianski cannot come back soon enough, because it is a corner. We're looking at this one now. It's been given. It has been given, <laughs> and this is as bad a goalkeeping error as you're likely to see in the English Premier League. And I truly mean this. It is a corner from the far side, the left-hand side, and it's one of those. It's one of those tough ones. It's swung in. They've obviously looked at Roberto, and you can bet your life, Sean Dyche. And his analysis team have looked at Roberto, get it on top of him, make him work for it. They've done just that. They've surrounded the keeper. They've sent one in. It's an in-swinger and Roberto wants none of it. He tries to punch it. It skiffs off his knuckles and into the empty net. It is a woeful goal. Matthew Fortune would have done better Mm -hmm. than that. And he's a terrible goalkeeper. (laughs) Is that fair? Well, apart on the fact that Chris stole the joke I was
4: going to say about him. The funny funny thing is that Lucas Fabianski, the one who I knew at Arsenal, that was exactly the tactic from all of the opposition with him. I remember numerous visits up to to Stoke and even clubs like Burnley. It was always put him on top of him and make you feel uncomfortable. And the problem with the goalkeeping position, of course, is that once you're nervy, once you're shaky, once you feel like you're being picked on, they keep on doing it. Got another goal. (laughs)
3: St James's Park we're off to now Newcastle against Bournemouth and I can tell you what Newcastle centre halves just cannot stop scoring at West Ham last week we saw Federico Fernandes we saw Kieran Clark get on the score sheet and we've seen likewise today because Bournemouth took the lead in this one. Newcastle levelled things up on the stroke of half time. Newcastle now lead. And despite the fact that he may struggle to get in and out of a chair, Steve Bruce has certainly done a decent job. He, or at least he is doing a decent job as things stand because he and his side now lead by two goals to one. And I'm pretty sure that it's Kieran Clark, the centre half, that has scored the goal. And we go from St James's Park. It's all happening, it's all happening. Tottenham Hotspur.
4: Yep. Yes, indeed we do. I've spent the best part of an hour saying how out of this game and out of sorts Tottenham Hotspur were looking, but they've needed a helping hand from the most competent side, Sheffield United, and it's Hung Son Min who has put Spurs in head from what can only be described as the most ludicrous little little back pass. I couldn't see who it was, but a Sheffield United shirt tried to play it back to their goalkeeper inside a crowded box from about eight yards out. It went absolutely nowhere near, and there was Son. Son, of course, having a very difficult week after the incident at Goodison Park last time out. Scored twice in midweek. He's taken his opportunity here. It's the first sniff of goal he's really had. But taking a little prod back from, I think it's the left back, Basham, he jumped on the opportunity and slid it home from six yards out. 1-0 Spurs. Uh, we, I can't, I've lost
1: now. We were talking about Southampton. Oh. Uh, and we were talking about Southampton uh, because we we're hearing from Big Ralph talking about uh, the strength of Everton. But he's obviously mixed things up at half-time.
3: He he certainly has, that's exactly what he's done He's taken off, he's hooked Cedric Suarez the Portuguese right back or at least he was playing right wing back so he was today, he's gone for a little bit more cut and thrust and Sofian Bouffal who's flattered to deceive a little bit had a spell over in Spain last season at Celta Vigo such was his standing or lack of standing at the football club he's brought him in just to add a little bit of uh, guile and pace essentially direct running in behind and it's paid dividends because it was he that created equaliser for Danny Ings. Looking at the team, it's still the back three from Ralph. He likes a mobile front too. He liked that at RB Leipzig with Timo Werner, of course, one of those. He's got Danny Ings and Nathan Redmond, and then he's got uh, James Ward uh, Prowse, sorry, uh, Romeo and Stewart and uh, Armstrong. There is midfield three. Uh, Genepo and Suarez were the fullbacks. It's now Buffal and Giannepo. The big summer recruit from Belgium was Giannepo. So it's working as things stand. It's one apiece, and if they can find a winner, then all will be well, at least for this week, down at St Mary's. It's interesting to see how Everton would bounce back after oh, what got was... Oh, another
1: goal. What a goal very...
4: Yes, indeed we do. And it's back to White Hart Lane, or the new White Hart Lane. And I can tell you, Chris... It's one apiece. It yeah, is one apiece. McGoldrick has scored. That was <laughs> the little break that they needed, Sheffield United. So I'm really not hiding my uh, my joy too well here as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> but within about two and a half minutes of Spurs going ahead, a neat little passage of play, and it's a defensive mistake again. I can't oh. see who that was. Was it Ben Davis? A poor, poor header at the near post trying to clear out. He retakes his position. It might be Eric Dyer as it goes. I think it is. So the ball is headed out not far enough at all. I think it's Fleck that plays it out wide. And then a neat little
3: left-footed cross, I think from Lundström to an unmarked McGoldrick at the back post, one apiece. Yeah, what a finish that from McGoldrick. I think it was Enda Steven, the left wing-back, who actually finds himself in space down that left-hand side. The cross is just a beautiful one. It cuts out the two centre-halves. It is just right into the path. We're seeing Mauricio Pochettino. The water bottle gets slammed back into its little holster. A shake of the head from the Argentine things not good at Spurs I'm a huge fan of Poch things just not good right now for Tottenham they've got work to be done they've got half an hour to find a winner Spurs oh one no. You've not conceded another one, no, have you? No, we haven't, but they just keep, keep
1: getting oh. corners. And that's the worst thing that can happen <laughs> for us at
3: the moment. So uh,
1: that's what's happening there. Uh, let's wait, see uh, Everton, if we can, because I was really interested to see how Everton would uh, react after what was an emotional game for them last time. Actually.
4: Yeah, of course it was, Tom. I think that emotion would have been really, really draining for the club. But also, it's a club that's a little bit listless. I don't think Marco Silva knows his best team yet, and that is evident once again. Of course, there is one enforced change, Andre Gomez, after suffering that horrific ankle injury again. Against Spurs last week. He is of course unavailable as he will be for the next year or so. We wish him all the best with his recuperation. But Everton do line up. The other two changes they make outgo that £35 million signing from Arsenal Alex Awobi as well as Manchester City's former left back Fabian Delft. They're replaced by Chenk Tossen through the middle, Gilfie Sigurdsson and Morgan Schneider in them in the middle. That means Everton line up with Pickford at the back, Holgate and Mina at centre half, with Digne and Sidibe as the fullbacks, Davis the goal scorer, and Schneider in at the the base of a midfield five with Richardson, Sigleson and Walcott all behind Czech Tossen. You and I might be
1: able to oh, go home now. Oh. You and I might be able, we might be off at any moment now because there's three letters up on the big screen down here <laughs> at uh, Barasti which has got our, our man Chris McCardy
3: on his feet and incensed. Chris, VAR. Yes, this is an absolute nonsense. Forget everything <laughs> that you've seen up until this point. I kid you not, and I mean this, forget Son at Leicester couple of months back. Forget Firmino last week. I mean, this is mental. We're at White Hart Lane, the new White Hart Lane, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We're looking back on the Sheffield United goal and it could be the toenail. It could be the big toenail yeah. of the, the, the Sheffield United fella.
4: As I can see how angry Chris is, I will clarify that he is not exaggerating. We are talking
3: millimetres. It's George Baldock. This is... Insane. If you, if this if gets if you think out, he's angry,
1: penny for the thoughts of uh, Rob Key and, and, and Andy Gray over in... Uh, uh, no.
3: It's offside. Yes, that yes. is laughable. I don't know if you th- those laughs were audible from here in Barastay. That decision there beggars belief. Now, I owe Andy and Richard Keyes a big apology. They can go to town on this later tonight. A shrug of the shoulders from Chris Wilder. They've actually showed it on the big screen as well. That's interesting because they weren't doing that when I was back home. That is laughable. Utterly laughable. Laughable, And let me tell you what else is laughable. It's
4: taken three and a half oh, minutes disgusting. to put that together. I mean, this is a game that thrives footballers just because of its excitement all of the time. But you have sucked every possible drop of excitement out of what was a pretty important goal for Sheffield United to score there. Three and a half minutes. VAR was brought in to correct clear and obvious mistakes by the officials. I'm sorry, if it takes three and a half minutes and a millimetre ruler to decide whether or not something was clear and obvious, it quite frankly wasn't.
1: Your thoughts, please, do text them through to us on 4-0. Should I play that uh, Chris Wilder clip on VAR <laughs> again or not? Uh, what was he saying? Stick with it. We, we, we've got a bat on. can keep batting on. Uh, one thing I'm going to play out there with is uh, the thoughts of Marco Silva. Uh, why do I want to hear from Marco Silva? Uh, he's been asked a lot about Andre Gomez throughout the course of this week. He's got news on his return.
8: All of us, we saw that, that moment um, and this really serious injury and looks Really serious, of course, after, after the surgery and after all the, the exams they, they did. Everything went really well and um, we hope we can see again. Um, and they're playing this season. Of course, it's not something we're 100% sure, but we have the, the good possibilities to do that.
5: I suppose that kind of target would help him mentally as well, wouldn't it, after what he's been through over the past few days?
8: Yeah, yeah, for sure will we'll help. Of course, in that moment, it was really tough. It um, was good for him and for, uh, for us. He was with us last Tuesday here. Uh, before he went home, he was with us here at Trinch Farm. Some minutes is good for us, for our group to, to stay some minutes with him. For him to feel the, the, the their, that support uh, as well. And, and there is... Strong. We'll keep strong for sure, and we'll become stronger as a as a player. Of course, it's, a, it's always a tough moment for all the, the football players when it happens something like that. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it was not the first time um, for one football player. Um, really bad luck. But now is a moment for us to support him. Andre will work really hard to to become um, in his level, and for sure will become.
1: Real. Live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Just remind you of the scores on the doors of they stand. Chelsea winning the points a little early on against Crystal Palace, beating them by two goals to nil. Uh, Burnley are smashing West Ham, they have been dire uh, in the uh, first half in the opening part of the second half. They lead by three goals to nil. There will be more goals in the next <laughs> 30 minutes there, I can guarantee, because I'm watching the game uh, from a position down here at Barasti, and they are just peppering the woeful uh, West Ham keeper, Roberto, who's just been. Appalling. Uh, let's go to Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle lead Bournemouth by two goals to one. Southampton and Everton in one apiece. Uh, and Tottenham against Sheffield United.
3: Well, we thought it was 1 1. We did think it was 1-1. VAR got involved. Three and a half minutes is what it took VAR to prove. And I've said so on Twitter there. They had the rulers out. They had the protractors out. They had about 16 people probably pouring over a screen miles away from the stadium. And they've ruled, and this is no exaggeration, no word of a lie, that the right wing back, George Baldock, who was involved in the goal, uh, he was like third, third generation involved in the goal, that his big toe, and when I say big toe, I'm not exaggerating, his big toe is offside. They've had the yellow lines across the pitch. Now, one or two of you out there may say, well, hold on a sec, Chris, offside is offside. Please give me a break, a big toe is impacting football matches, for goodness sake. A big toe. It's embarrassing is what it is. And Matt, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, am I?
4: No, no, absolutely not. It was ludicrous. You could even see by whoever was in charge of the yellow lines that they were showing up on our screen, he was having to go back and forth and back and forth just to find exactly where the foot was because you just couldn't see that it was any different between the last man, the last Spurs man, which I think was Eric Dyer. It's absolutely ludicrous, Chris. The thing that stresses me out the most is the time. Nothing should take three and a half minutes to find out if it's yeah. clear and obvious. It's mental. ludicrous. It's mental.
1: Let's go up to Scotland if you can. Uh, it's not often I say that if you want goals, just go to Scotland. If you
3: want goals, go to Scotland. Well, I've got six, I've got ten, I've got 14. <laughs> oh, just 18 goals in four games. Uh, it's not often you will ever say that, Tom, and for good reason. We're into the final 20 minutes. Tynecastle, Castle, Hearts and Hibs, the two Edinburgh teams, manager list. Good news for disciples Maybe of stick Edinburgh with it. <laughs> just stick with your caretakers because Hearts they lead St Mirren by four goals to do Kilmarnock against Hamilton is currently two apiece Aberdeen they did trail at Ross County by a goal to nil but goals from Niall McGinn Ryan Hedges and Andrew Considine look as if will uh, secure victory in Dingwall for the Dons and St Johnston, well they're having an awful day they're 4-0 down at home to managerless Hibs so goals are plenty in the Scottish Premiership which is always nice to see and goals are plenty in the championship some big scorelines as things stand Fulham they lead by a goal to nil at Birmingham City and Leeds 2-1 at Blackburn. They
4: do indeed, Chris, and looking down the rest of that league, you can actually see after fifth place Nottingham Forest winning earlier today, the rest of the top six also in control. It's Leeds are beating Blackburn by two goals to one. Leaders West Brom, they're one up at Hull City. Preston, the high flyers, they're the ones who are the most comfortable with an hour gone. They're three up against struggling Huddersfield Town. And Swansea, they who lost Graham Potter over the summer and many thought would struggle, they are 1-0 up against Sheffield Wednesday. Elsewhere, Brentford lead at Wigan. QPR they lead 2-1 at Middlesbrough Rock bottom Stoke City, they're 3-1 up against second from bottom, Barnsley and in the other game it's Reading 2, Luton 0.
1: Alive taking taken the goal, taken the points a little earlier on, beating Real Valladolid by three goals to nil. No goals in the second game in Spanish La Liga for the second of four games to be played over in Spain today. 0-0 uh, between Valencia and Granada at the moment Real Madrid are in action at 9.30 this evening at midnight tonight it's
3: Barcelona at home to Celta Vigo. German Bundesliga, loads of goals? Yeah, forget Scotland. It's Germany (laughs) where you should be watching. Five goals in the match between Mainz and Union Berlin. Of course, Mainz beaten 8-0 last weekend by RB Leipzig. They were 3-0 down in this one at home to Union Berlin. Despite the fact Union Berlin were 3-0 up inside 51 minutes, there was a nervous end to that one. Union Berlin, who were victorious in the Berlin derby last weekend, they've picked up yet another three points. David David Wagner, the former Huddersfield town boss, he's now in charge at Schalke. They were leading for a long time in this one in their home match against Fortuna Dusseldorf. I can tell you that one has finished. Schalke three, Fortuna Dusseldorf three. Hertha Berlin beaten, as I say, last week by their city rivals. They've been beaten again today. They've lost 4-2 to Julian Nagelsmann's RB Leipzig. Timo Werner, two goals for him. Kevin Campbell on the score sheet, as is Marcel Sabitzer. So that's another big win for RB Leipzig. And Paderborn, who are rooted to the foot of the table. They were beaten at home by Augsburg by a goal to nil. Philip Max, the left-back, it is with the only goal in that one. Later tonight, it is Der Klassiker. It is Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund, and as things stand, when you look at the Bundesliga table, it is Borussia Mönchengladbach who lead the way on 22 points. RB Leipzig, oh. whether you love them or not, one point back on 21 points. I know it sound like a stuck record, but this
1: Roberto in sticks for West Ham <laughs> is just shocking. He can't hold on to a ball. Penning for the thought of Manuel Pellegrino We're seeing pictures of it at the moment. Whoa. I mean, have a little look at the have a little look at the highlights reel after this one. He he cannot hold a ball. It's extraordinary. Anyway, that's just an irate West Ham fan.
4: Where's this one? This one, Tom. Thank you very much. This one comes at St. Mary's. Southampton got themselves back into the game just after the break. But it is Richarlson for the visitors Everton themselves struggling down near the foot of the table who has put the Toffees back in front. A A very, very well taken goal by the Brazilian a whipped cross from the right hand side that Sidibe. is from Sidibe bombing up from right back he has measured across at full speed often one of the hardest things to do to measure a ball quite like that when you're sprinting first touch just in line with the edge of the box whipping yeah. it all the way to the far stick taking out one, two, three Southampton defenders who are unable to reach it and there is Richardson, edge of the six yard box just beyond the far post with a calm side foot finish into the goal 2-1 Everton really good
1: finish that Torino have taken the points in the early in the Italian Serie at 4-0 It finished against Brescia who as maccardi was saying are in a world of pain at the moment two more games to look forward there Inter Milan taking on uh, Helios Verona uh, at 9 o'clock and then Napoli at home to Genoa
3: Yeah Napoli oh, if you want a storyline right now <laughs> just head over to Naples because Carlo Angelotti may well be leaving you've got a chairman and an owner that's trying to sue his own football players all because they did not want to go on a training camp that he had set up he's far from happy is the Napoli owner right now all is not well at that football club and I would suggest that if they lose to Genoa a little later this evening that Mr Angelotti may well be handed his P45 in midweek <laughs> It's a fascinating story because I do think you're being a little
4: disingenuous there to the Napoli players the story is that the chairman Di actually told the players after a game that they were not going home and they were coming with him. He walked into the changing room after a recent defeat. And this is after they'd already been at a training camp that they found out about through the press. (laughs) They arrived for work. It had been in the press that day that they were not going to be allowed home. They were hauled away dragged over the coals, given some extra training, didn't work, lost the next game, and in the dressing room after the game, the owner comes down and says, you're not going home tonight, chaps, You're coming with me, (laughs) essentially back to camp because we are putting you through your pace again. It's an awful situation. Very, very strange, Napoli. It's one of the most... I think, interesting, intriguing clubs in, uh, in Italy, for sure. Anybody that's seen the, uh, the recent Diego Maradona documentary, just to really get a feel of what that club means to that city and the mechanic mechanisms behind yeah. how it operates. It's absolutely fascinating. And it's a club that, that really deserves more success than they've had over the last few years. They've been knocking on that door. They're just up against such a phenomenal force in Juventus, and it's a shame to see it unravel as it
1: is. We will take a short break when we come back round the grounds again, and we will have news of any goals. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Tweet the team at Dubai iSport. Oh, no, Ben, you can't do that. I know you told you to, but I know he told you to, but it's got to be a sort of... It's all right, Ben, it's fine. They gave it, but Chris... Two three letters.
3: Yeah, VAR again. And lightning might just strike twice at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Oh, <laughs> <I was giving laughs> Thankfully, sense has prevailed. It's my you, heart was in my mouth there. I think Benji's our lucky, our lucky. If he just plays the goal sting, then it'll stay, you know? That's exactly it. It's piped through to the referee. They can't change it once Benji hits the goal sting. <laughs> but extraordinary, extraordinary game of football at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We saw a goal, a legitimate goal, let's be frank. A big toe, I'm not having it, a big toenail offside. Ruled it out. Everyone having a field day on social media, myself included. Sheffield United, if you are just joining us, have actually just leveled things up. Tottenham were leading by a goal to nil through Hyung mins son. And George Baldick has leveled things up. Now, hearts and mouths here because George Baldick, who was involved in the original goal that was ruled out, again, does brilliantly to get up the right-hand side. His cross looks to be, at first glance, (laughs) to be headed in by Chris Basham, the big centre-half. Now, when we saw the replay originally, we were like, uh-oh, again, big toe, he might be offside. Thankfully, he's not touched it. It's actually gone all the way in, Gazi Inga at the back post, it's snuck in there, and Sheffield United are level. There were hearts and mouths, Sheffield United themselves looked a bit stressed. Thankfully, sense has prevailed, and the goal has been allowed. So, if you are just joining us, with ten minutes remaining, it's Tottenham 1, Sheffield United 1. Uh, let's go to the rugby very quickly
1: because uh, my day just get worse and worse and worse Sonocons. and worse <laughs> Saracens, without their England players, away at Gloucester, are beating Gloucester by 21 points to five at the moment uh, in that particular game. Uh, We will also get lineups for you for the late game in a few moments' time. Uh, Bath are are leading uh, Northampton by 15 points to three. Uh, Quinns are leading Worcester by 14 points to nine. Meanwhile, over in the Guinness Pro 14, Ospreys seven, Southern Kings 16 is the latest score there. And Zebrae, they're trailing Glasgow. By seven points to 24. Top 14, one result for you ahead of the uh, late ones, and it was a draw between Toulon and Montpellier, 19 apiece. In that game and we're getting some team news filtering through ahead of our late before we give that team news though I just want to break away for another little bit uh, of audio with a man that you caught up with midweek mr. Chris McCarty and a man that I had the opportunity and the pleasure to spend a bit of time with on Thursday evening Jason McAteer now I it's not that wasn't my first rodeo I've done a few Q&A's in my time I've done a few uh, fireside chats up on thing um Jason McAteer has to be one of the great storytellers I've
3: ever ever had the opportunity to spend an evening with. He's absolutely brilliant, is what Jason McAteer is, and I go as far as to say it. everyone lauds Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, for various reasons, over in the UK in their punditry. Macca's as good as them, he really is, he's got genuine insight, is what he has and we're just seeing a replay, it may well be an own goal by Eric Dyer, that allowed Sheffield United to level things up, but Macca, to go back to it, Trigger as he's known to his, uh, his friends and, and to fans, he's good, he's real good value, and I bet he had some one or two stories that we probably can't On national radio, but he did sit down and have a chat with you. So, what did you say to him, or what did he say to you? More to the point, there was a few things that we discussed, and kind of chief among them, Jurgen Klopp. The big one tomorrow is, of course, Liverpool against Manchester City. Now, Jurgen Klopp has been up in arms about the fixture list of late. The big thing, though, and this was a question that Robbie put to Jason, was about form and where Liverpool are at. Because if you look at their recent results. They've been convincing. They've been getting a lot of late winners. That being said, they've picked up 16 points from their last 18 available. Is he a concerned Liverpool fan, or is this just part and parcel on the road to become title winners?
0: You know, you could look at it from both angles, as you've just mentioned. You know, is it a cause for concern? I'd certainly like to keep more clean sheets and not come from behind to win football matches. Of course you would, but there's going to be a time and a place through a season that you're gonna you're gonna have to do that. And what they're doing at the minute is not something that is just. You know, arrived at you know at the football club. It's something that's taken years of preparation, understanding, um, hard work. You know, you put yourself in this position now because of all the experience you've had that's gone before you. You know, football is a is a learning curve. Whether you come into it as a kid and you know whatever, but you know what Jürgen's done here in the last three and a half years has been phenomenal. Um, But on the psychological side of things as well, you know, not just. Going for tournament, going into tournaments and getting to finals. Unfortunately, we lost the Europa League and we lost the the Champions League a couple of seasons ago. But that adversity for a footballer goes into your subconscious. It go, it goes in. You know you don't like that feeling. You don't want that feeling again. Um, to reach a final, take certain qualities, physically and mentally. You know, winning football matches is a great feeling. It's the best feeling um, for a manager for the psychological side of the game. It's very, very important that you do challenge, uh, you do win things, you do get to finals, um, because that becomes a mentality. So when you're saying our oh, Liverpool winning these games is of course we can concern, it is, but we've got that in our armoury now to come back. You know, not just to get level and take a point, but actually to go on and win a game from behind. You know, the last three games we've done it. You know, that's not that's not something. That just happens. That's a belief that that takes time to embed. It's a great attribute to have. To have that, you can't go a full season doing that. And I don't think Liverpool will. I think Liverpool have got a lot of qualities to you know to win football matches from from the get go. You know, from the from the fi- from the first whistle. Another part of your question to answer: I don't think Liverpool have been up to speed. I don't think they played particularly well this season. Tottenham, where they've come from behind early on, has been arguably their best performance. But they're they're playing like champions. They're, they're playing like a Manchester United in the nineties. You know, a Manchester City from two or three seasons. The last two or three seasons, where they nick it one nil. They come from behind. You know, they score late winners. They score late goals. Um, and they're fantastic attributes to have if you're going to go on and win the Premier League. That's
1: the thoughts, I can't remember who was that. That was Jason McAteer, wasn't it? Was, it was, it was Jason McAteer. <laughs> we a little bit of a giggle uh, off-air about some of the stories that he told, but a great raconteur. An amazing
3: storyteller. Good Jason. player. A decent player, I, I would say. Yeah, he was a good player, in fairness. Bolton onto Liverpool, spent four years at the football club. I think 1995 through to 1999. He, he, listen, he'll always be remembered as the man. I remember sat sitting down and watching the game. It was Republic of Ireland yeah. against the Ireland. Netherlands yeah. at Lansdowne Road, the old Lansdowne Road. He scored the goal that got them to the 2002 World Cup Finals. It was a scrappy goal, but a big goal nonetheless for a whole country. That was the thoughts there of Jason. And uh, I've got another clip. If you want to hear from them, more from him, we'll maybe park it.
1: We're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back uh, and we're going to have a bit of time with that one um, uh, because we need get team news ahead uh, of the late kickoff in the Premier League. That team news is coming. Go on, let's do another Jason. Let's do another Jason. I'll do a quick Jason. Let's do the second Jason one, we'll, yeah?
3: We'll do, in fact, we'll do number three, Benji, okay. because number three is actually him previewing the game tomorrow. Oh, okay. It's the biggie. It's the top two. It's going nine points clear of the Premier League champions. Wanted to get his thoughts as to how he sees this game and what the game will uh, will take its form
0: I think if if Liverpool were beaten by Villa at the weekend and and they could close the gap um, go level I think City would have have gone level wouldn't they if Liverpool would have lost and they beat Liverpool at the weekend I think it would be a more expansive open approach by Pep Um, I think he would have gone for Liverpool and I think we would have seen that game I think we're all wanting to see I think the fact it's still six points and Liverpool got a late win against Villa which kept it like that He won't want to go nine points, Pep. He he knows that is like a massive mountain to climb and one he probably will feel Liverpool are better equipped to keep hold of that lead and not squander it this time around. So I think he'll be very pragmatic in his approach. I think he will pack the midfield. I think he will want to protect his back four, which is very vulnerable. Um, I'm not a lover of of any of his back, his centre-halves not having stones not having Ottomendi I think Laporte needs a Van Dijk alongside him needs a Koulibaly and you just get the best out of him obviously Fernandinho is playing there which I think is a blessing but I think he'll want to protect them um, against a, a team at Anfield that just blows teams apart at times with a Thun3 it usually turns up in games like this so he'll know the importance of not going nine points adrift and I think he will um, he'll be quite pragmatic in his approach so in saying that, I don't know whether we're going to get... The, I don't know whether the gloves are going to come off. You sound like a man who's tipping Liverpool. <laughs> Listen, I, I... You know, this season I wouldn't put anything past Liverpool. You know, I've seen them where they've played terrible and they've got the job done. I've seen them when they've blown teams apart and they can't find the answer and then all of a sudden they do. I've seen them turn up against Tottenham and blow them away. Arsenal blow them away. Um, you know... I don't want to talk about the title, but I just, I've just got this feeling it's ours to, uh, it's ours to lose this season. This
5: is
1: The Grill
0: on Dubai I 103.8.
1: Yeah, you are, and we've got a few moments left just to put in the picture of some games to look forward to a little later on this evening, and more so than our late kickoff, which uh, a number of uh, the grill panellists will be looking on intently at. Uh, at. Uh, let's get some team news for you in a few moments' time. Uh, let's start with Brendan Rodgers, uh, who, despite much speculation, is apparently very happy at Leicester.
9: If you work well, it, it's a natural consequence. What happens in this game, you know, you'll get linked to... To, to other jobs, uh, people talk about me being—you know—at times you, you're linked to top clubs. I'm really in a top job. It's a fantastic club. It's a great job for me uh, in this moment with the with the ownership that we have here, with the players I have, and I'm absolutely loving every every minute of it. Um, all the all the gossip and speculation around it, whether it's for you or against you, it's a part of the game. When you are a manager, you, you always have empathy for another manager because you understand the pressures, uh, you understand the climate that we work in. Um, so so yeah, I, I I get all of that. Um, but but what you normally do as a manager, you really focus on what you can control. You know, you know, I'll be uh, you know, he's a proven coach, he's an experienced coach. Um, So he'll be focusing on the performance of the team and try to not get so much involved in all of the background noise that goes on. So
1: those are the thoughts of Mr Brendan Rodgers. What about his uh, opposing manager today, Unai Emery? uh, Penny for the thoughts of Emery at the moment. Uh, He reckons that today is a chance for his team to get back on track.
7: Brendan Rodgers is a very good manager and he's doing a very good work. Uh, he did here in in in, in England, in Swansea. He did he did here in in Liverpool, and then in, in Celtic Glasgow. And now, really, uh, he arrived here last year, and and his, t- his team uh, was improving, uh, progressively. And and this year, I think it's no surprise for me. It's uh, a very very good team, very good coach, and they are very organized team. And then uh, the football, we are we are uh, taking a, as, as a good moment as a uh, sometimes bad result and the most important is uh, to keep the balance and I think uh, as a coach uh, I learned that to to be in, in my mind with that that's balance when we won, when we win when we lose and now it's the same and also uh, for me it's not play tomorrow under pressure it's play and there are very big opportunities to, to change uh, in that moment for us. We are drawing the last matches, and, and uh, we can't we can see that matches uh, we didn't win, it's negative, but we didn't lose, it's positive. And we are in the balance, but uh, really when we are in one team uh, as, a, as an Arsenal, uh, we need to win more than, than, than draw or than loss.
1: Uh, we want, we'll get some team news for you in just a few moments' time. Uh,
3: there has just been an incident down at the Burnley-West Ham game. Yeah, I tell you what, Tom, West Ham supporters, your day has gone from bad to worse. You trail by three goals to nil, no and this isn't good because he's not long back from a long stretch on the sidelines. Manuel Lanzini, who had that cruciate knee injury, he's been stretchered off. Now, I didn't see the incident, and I'd be speculating wildly to say that's another knee injury, but it didn't look good. There was an awful lot of medics around the little Argentine, who, of course, lest we forget, played down the road in Abu Dhabi for Al Jazeera for a season. He has uh, been stretchered off. It's not good at all. So West Ham, they are down by three goals to nil and they've just seen their little pocket dynamo uh, stretchered off as well. The day has gone from bad to worse. Indeed
1: it has. It's happened to news for you for the late kickoff.
3: Yeah, I'll start with Leicester and this is a bold selection from Brendan Rodgers. Kasper Schmeichel's in goal. It's the back four you'd expect. Pereira, Evans, Soyunku and Chilwell. Wilfred Ndidi, I've said it for our best part of a year, the best holding midfielder outside of I want to say a kind of true top six side, a a true kind of behemoth, if you will, of European football. Then comes the real fluent four, the quartet of Perez, Tielemans, Madison and Barnes with a little Duracell battery up front. Jamie Vardy doesn't stop running. He has scored eight and nine, is it? I believe so. Against Arsenal, he fancies it tonight. That is an attacking lineup. It absolutely is. It really smells
4: of a manager that thinks he can really lay something down here. I was disappointed with Leicester earlier this season against Manchester United. I thought... That was a big opportunity for Brendan Rodgers to get one over on one of those traditional big six clubs. I was more impressed with them at Liverpool, but of course they lost again. This is another opportunity for them against a woefully out-of-sorts Arsenal. An Arsenal side that managed to complete one pass into the area against a very, very poor Portuguese side on Thursday, but it's a change in formation for Unai Emery. I know he likes to flip flop around with who he plays and how he plays. Of course, still missing Granit Xhaka, he is unlikely to wear the red of Arsenal. I think again, let alone again this season or this month. And there's a shortage of central midfielders, so as a result. Unai Emery has gone with what I think, although it's listed as a 4-4-2, I think he's going to play three at the back, and that's Rob Holding, David Luiz and Callum Chambers. He'll play two wing-backs of Hector Bellerin and Saeed Kalasinac. The midfield two at the base will be Lucas Torreira, massively underused, massively underutilised this season. He'll go alongside Matteo Guendouzi. Ahead of them, Meza Urza will play in the ten with a two-man leading front line of Alexandra Lacazette and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. It's not often you see those two together and without Nicolas Pepe I think it will be two straight down the middle
1: Right, what's going on in the uh, world of the Premier League? Full-time whistles are being blown. One has gone uh, down at Southampton. Pressure off Marco Silva,
3: pressure on Big Ralph. Yeah, I fear for Ralph now, I really do. I like him, he did a great job at RB Leipzig. He has just been hamstrung from the moment he walked in the door there. Poor recruitment and that is a bad home defeat for Southampton. It's a result that leaves them second bottom. Only Norwich City are below them in the Premier League. And poor Ralph, I think he may well be out of a job come Monday. I really do. Full time at London Stadium? full-time at the London Stadium? At no, the sorry, not the <laughs> London Stadium.
1: What, do they, what are we calling White Hart Lane these days? Uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham Hotspur they're, they're Stadium. They're waiting for a sponsor. the London Stadium. Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> confused with that. I wish we were at the London
4: Stadium today. <laughs> 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 play, against, play against no one. Full-time indeed Still Tom, lose. At White, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> at White Hart Lane. It's finished, Tottenham won, Shefford United won, but once again, the match will be dominated, the post-match talk, should I say, about VAR. One goal for Shefford United uh, ruled out after three and a half minutes waiting time absolutely ludicrous decision in mind Chris's and I'm sure yours Tom's opinion because you've had Chris in your ear even when we've been <laughs> off air but what it was Sheffield United came back and they got another goal that was cancelling out Hun Song Min's second half goal so it finishes one all Spurs I believe will remain in the bottom half of the just table just a quick
3: word on Chris Wilder I'm sure he's a lovely bloke and he's done a great job you wouldn't mess with him though he <laughs> looks genuinely the most terrifying of all the 20 managers if he gets angry You'd be, you'd wilt if Chris
4: Wilder got angry. I think. There's finally another name in the hat alongside Sean Dyche. For the, which manager would you like on your side in a fight discussion? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was interesting though. I was just watching him going onto the pitch
1: at the end of uh, the game there, and it looked like he had a bit of. A oh, he's not happy. He's still. A he's not happy, but B he seemed to be doing a lot of gesticulating towards son as well so i don't know if that's something that
4: yeah i had my eye on that tom there was a couple of incidents where son was thought to have gone to deck quite easily in and around the premier league whether or not he was looking for the penalty until he hit the deck and then thought oh i might make the most of it here because he was certainly asking for it i don't think any of them were particularly dives one he kicked the floor so probably thought he clipped an ankle another one he was crowded out they definitely weren't ones that you've seen given but i think he was probably looking uh, we are
1: just seeing images of Messrs Keyes and Gray, and guess what they're discussing, Chris McCarty?
3: Oh yes, the hot topic of the day. And they're, listen, they're right here, uh, and maybe they've been right all along. Maybe there's a reason why they're there, and. I'm here at Barasti, I don't know, but they are talking VAR and they're, I mean, look at it, I mean, I appreciate we're on radio, it's a toe for goodness sake, Sheffield United, Chris Wilder, they could have and perhaps should have come away from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with three points and not just one today, it is yet again front and centre, VAR, I'm sorry, it's got to be looked at, it's got to be tweaked, it's got to be changed because this right now is not football, this is an embarrassment. Valencia have taken the lead against Granada. They lead by one goal to nil in the 96th minute there
1: as we get ready for Real Madrid and Barcelona a little later on in proceedings. Uh, they're all done over in the German Bundesliga. It finished Mainz 2, Union Berlin 3. Schalke Düsseldorf was a 3-3 thriller. Hertha Berlin, lost to RB Leipzig by two goals to four. And Augsburg have taken the points of Paderborn uh, by one goal to nil. 9.30 this evening, says Bayern Munich taking on Borussia Dortmund. That's one to look forward to. Breast against PSG is just underway in French league league uh, two games over at Italy for you as well and we're just getting confirmation of games in the championship we'd like to finish on the championship uh, some big score lines coming in there none more so uh, than uh, the 4-2 victory it seems although they're still playing according to my watch uh, Barnsley against Stoke a Stoke victory away
3: yeah Stoke win for Michael O'Neill the new manager who has replaced Nathan Jones he's come in from Northern Ireland he will continue to manage Northern Ireland through their final two World Cup qualifiers or Euro 2020 qualifiers but that's a big win for him. Goals galore. Big win for Reading, big win for Leeds United. Fulham, they've been victorious at Birmingham City. Elsewhere, West Brom, they will stay top of the championship. They are 1-0 up at Hull City. Preston have beaten Huddersfield by three goals to one. What on earth happened at Hillsborough? Swansea were home and hosed at 1-0. Finished two apiece. <laughs> they did indeed. and They were
4: they, they were pegged back to one all at eight, in the 81st minute. The 90th minute, Sheffield Wednesday went 2-1 up. And then in added time, on top of added time, Ben Wilmot smashed a drawback for Swansea. 2 to it finished fascinating day of football Aberdeen are up to third in the Scottish
1: Premiership Uh, and of course there's plenty more to look forward to we're out of time as we usually are here on the show we could talk for another three hours but we might just settle down and watch what is going to be a fascinating
4: game shall I ask an Arsenal fan about a little prediction Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Arsenal will get hauled over <laughs> Brendan's knee and given a bit of a spanking, I think. I think it's going to be humiliating. Oh, and that will be the end of Unai Emery's reign come Monday. I think it's going to be a fight between Pellegrini, Hussenhartl, and Emery to see who's out the door first.
3: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. I'm certainly not looking forward to the next Just couple of Just avoid the inbox. <laughs> yeah. <Just> turn away. <laughs> Take a day off. Yeah, Leicester win for me as well, yeah. Tom. I do, I fancy them 2-0 tonight. Uh,
1: big thanks to both of you. Our uh, big thanks to Mr Matt Fortune and, of course, Mr Chris McCarty, fellas. Thank you. Top stuff, thanks, to thanks top. Big Thanks to all the team uh, on the ground down here uh, at Barasti for keeping us on air and thanks to all the team back in the studio. Big crowd down here at Barasti. Uh, now they're all settling in for an evening of sport. Do come on down here if you want to watch your sport, be it football, rugby or much, much more. Uh, that was The Grill. We'll be back next weekend between the hours of 6 and 9. Goodbye.
0: There's just so much more to hear.
9: Download our podcast at Dubai Eye 1038.com.